0: Hi, I'm Elena Pullen-Venema, Director of Gift Planning at the Community Foundation of Snohomish County. And this is Looking Forward, Giving Back. This podcast is a place for professional advisors, financial managers, attorneys, accountants, and other client-centered advisors to obtain key resources, tools, and information about charitable options that can help you meet your client's estate, financial, charitable, and tax-saving goals. While also increasing diverse and equitable philanthropy in our community. Hi, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Looking Forward, Giving Back. Today on the podcast, we have Carrie Matah joining us. Carrie is the CEO of the Community Foundation of Mahomet County, and she is also my boss. And she's also really pretty and smart. Um, Welcome, Carrie! (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. I can already see some edits need to happen. (laughs) So, Thanks, Alina. Glad to be here. So Carrie, I wanted to start off sort of a mini series of interviewing Community Foundation staff, just so people can understand a little bit more of what we do as a community foundation in Snohomish County. So you're the first. Congratulations, big boss lady. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I want our listeners to just kind of get an idea of what you do as our CEO at the Community Foundation. So can you just briefly discuss your job and then tell us also a little bit about your history with the Community Foundation and kind of how you got to the point where you are right now?
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I came to the Community Foundation in 2000, so more than 20 years ago. And I started before we were even a community foundation. So we were an organization that was doing parks work and supporting uh, charity in in public spaces. And what had happened is folks in predominantly in Everett, it began, folks in Everett started recognizing that there was no philanthropic or charitable vehicle like a community foundation that serves Snohomish County. So there wasn't one in existence. And so a lot of donor money was going to Seattle that folks felt should have been kind of, an, and where a lot of donors had an interest in giving to Snohomish County, there just wasn't a place to do that. So I came in 2000 and I was doing donor work and I was doing grant work. I was uh, at the organization for a number of years. I went away for a little while in the 2000s and I went and did work in the public library system. And then I came back because I really, really missed the work, the sort of the countywide nature, but still the really local neighborhood nature of the work and um, have been back since 2011 and then was just named as the CEO a few years ago when our longtime CEO, uh, Maddie Metzger, uh, retired. So, In my role as the CEO, I ask staff to call me Big Dog because that's really more- That's who you are. Yeah, that's who I am. So, (laughs) so of course they do, joyfully. And then they, I've heard they call me other things behind my back in the community. I'm not at all. (laughs) So, so I do what would be stereotypical leadership work when, when you think about a nonprofit organization. So, I- sort of help different groups in our board hold the vision or create the strategy for uh, where we wanna go in the next uh, three to five years. So, And that's really working um, not only with our board, but our staff, right? So it's kind of being in a place of facilitating um, people's hopes and dreams. So facilitating conversations about strategy, Uh, making sure that we have strong community voice represented in our decisions, making sure that we are looking at and evaluating our work and holding ourselves accountable, looking to see that we, while we want to learn on a regional or, or national level that we are really adhering to and having a strong foundation in serving Stahomish County. That's really important that sort of the end result of what we want to do is help create a really thriving and vibrant county for every human, you know, so for folks who have often been left out of the philanthropic or charitable circle, and then just some basic fun stuff like budgeting and finance and investing and and I don't really do a lot. I just kind of boss people around and yeah. delegate and kind of do, I t- quite a bit, I g- I do a lot of glory. No, I don't really do <laughs> the either. glory. So, that I know that's why you glory. why you
0: took this job is for the glory. Yeah. Actually I'm requesting more glory in 2022. <laughs> Fantastic. So Kara, I want to back up just a little bit. So what you said about when you were talking about how you got involved with the community foundation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I think sometimes people are a little bit confused about when they first meet me or meet someone who works at a community foundation is they don't really understand kind of how a community foundation is unique in terms of of growing philanthropy in a specific community. So when you said earlier on how the you know in the early when you were first involved with the community foundation how the going from the Parks Foundation to a community foundation Model that people were realizing that we didn't have that, and so a lot of that that giving was going to Seattle. So, can you just explain a little bit about what that is in terms sure. of that community foundation structure and how we are really unique in that yes. the charitable world in um, in our in our community?
1: Yes, I, I can try, but since this is a podcast and people can't see my hand gestures, it will be more difficult. <laughs> no, so. Uh, so first of all, community foundations exist all over the nation. They've been a sort of type of charitable sector for about a hundred plus years. We have about 2000 across the United States and they're, they also exist internationally and they're their own sort of model. And by that, I mean, we are all 501c3. So we are all nonprofits. But our tools and the reason we exist is to help donors and and sort of sometimes be a bridge or a connector in community. So there are folks who are generous and charitable and who want a a just community, and they might have some access to resources. And there are folks who, who need those resources to do their work. They're on the ground doing charitable work. Community foundations are often the connector between the two. So we help donors or families or individuals kind of create a charitable legacy with assets that they would like to give to the community. Um, So sometimes that's one-time gifts. Sometimes those are gifts that happen in estate plans. But the whole focus of that is to give to the charitable and the public sector to advance the work of community groups and nonprofits and grassroots organizations and parks and libraries
0: and schools. Great. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's super helpful. I think when I, especially when I talk to professional advisors, maybe for the first time, and, they, and I, I, ex, I explained you know, my little intro spiel about, this is what I do. This is what the Community Foundation does. Is that I think one thing that really resonates with folks who, ha- who aren't familiar with the Community Foundation model is that we don't represent, and I know I, I got this, I stole this from you. We don't represent one charity, we represent them all. And so we're, we're really, like you said, that we're really sort of a, a connector. I love that word, I use that word a lot, between donors and their charitable goals and their passions about what they want to do to make their communities a better place to live and work, and the the community, of, of what are the needs of the community big picture, not just what are the needs in one specific charitable area, but what are the needs from everything from arts programs, to the environmental sustainability programs, to racial equity programs, to, um, to schools, everything. And so I think yeah. that's, that's one thing too, that really sets us apart. It does. So when it, one of the things that I always, when I'm talking
1: to donors or families, I like to help them think outside of the box of, uh, a name of a charity. So one of the questions I always ask families, and I always, when I'm talking to professional advisors also, I say, you know, instead of asking what charities do you like, let's ask what do you love and what are you passionate about in your life, right? So my husband loves cycling. So our family has sought out and we choose to support a lot of bike advocacy groups, uh, transportation organizations that are doing connected trails, parks, open systems, and trail programs, because we, we love cycling. So when we talk to a donor and say not about, you don't have to name the charity you love, because that might not be a fit for you. Now, if it is, that's awesome. But like, let's say you love knitting, or let's say sewing, and and sewing taught you so much as a small child, right? It taught you, and, and that's something you're passionate about. Well, we, can connect you. And we have lots of ideas of how that could be applied to your charitable giving. And it might be through school systems. It might be through social service organizations who are doing mental health services. It might be through hospital work. It could be through a lot of different things, but we can help have that conversation and explore how sewing could be a fit for your future charity or your current charitable actions. And it doesn't have to be you having to think of a name of a nonprofit, because that's very limiting. And that is not at all cover the scope of the work that's happening in our communities. It covers some of it, but
0: not all of it. Like, fantastic. Now, thanks so much for elaborating on that piece. So I want to talk a little bit about the work, sort of how you and I are and our partnership as you know members of the staff of the Community Foundation is growing. Um, so we started working together about 12 years ago i was thinking about the other day i'm like has it been 12 years really, really? yeah yeah I'm, apparently i'm not that no. good at math i didn't i would have said like 7 <laughs> okay so J, here, here's how i remember it too so jd who is in 7th grade right now was in like daycare and like i remember that was one of like the stressors for me as a working oh mom goodness. trying to figure out how to about like get him to daycare but also have a job and yeah so it's been a little mm-hmm. bit but interestingly enough the two of us don't look like we've aged a day. So that's no, okay. I'm actually reverse aging, but Thank see, they can't. you can't see that because this is a podcast.
1: Right. Oh, uh, sorry, yeah. audience. <laughs> Please call for current updated
0: headshots. Yeah, exactly. So we started working 12 year, to, together 12 years ago when you actually hired me as a workshop presenter for the Community Foundation of Snohomish County's Nonprofit Services Program in kind of some of the earlier days of the Nonprofit Services Program. Um, and you also, you I, you probably remember this, but this, this is one of the skill sets that I've learned thanks to you, is that you taught me how to change a flat tire. Do you remember that? Oh my God, that's right. right. Oh my God. <laughs> was like, at the end of this, I had facilitated this, one of, one of the, the sessions, I think it was like on it must have been on fundraising or, or, or like development, right? For nonprofit boards. And we and we everybody was leaving. We went out to my car. It was at the Y oh, in Monroe. Right. And I had yes. a flat tire. And you're like, game on. <laughs> get out the spare. Get out the jack. This is what we're gonna do this afternoon. It's really how I got the CEO
1: job, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I app- I appreciate you schooling me in car. Maintenance. So then there, this job opportunity came up um, with the community foundation um, in terms of you guys are hiring a development director. And so I started, I was hired as a development director. We were doing a couple of events. We created a major donor program, kind of run-of-the-mill development program stuff. But then I think it was like two years into my time at the community foundation, all this research was coming out about professional advisors. And so of, of where, looking at the pipeline of where are new funds or where are new donors to specifically community foundations coming from? And the results or the studies were saying that that pipeline, those referrals were coming from professional advisors, specifically estate planning attorneys and financial advisors and some accountants too. So we thought, huh, that might be a good thing for us to focus on. And so with me having my MBA in finance and just being interested in it and then everything kind of worked together. So I wanted to ask you kind of your, get your perspective on thinking back to when we started that work with professional advisors. Cause that's, that's a lot of the people listening to the podcast are gonna be estate planning attorneys, financial advisors and accountants, and, and hopefully maybe some of their clients as well. But why did you think, and this is before you were CEO but you still were playing a major leadership role at the community foundation. So, why did you, from your perspective, think that that was an important um, important thing for us to do? Because it was a risk, right? Because it was it was we were really changing kind of our business model from shifting our development director my work from a more traditional fundraising model to something that not a lot of nonprofits and and smaller community foundations at that point were really doing in terms of really focusing on outreach and providing resources and connections to professional advisors and their clients?
1: I Well, first of all, I would say back in 2000, so, our, so we became the community foundation, announced our name, rolled our out our foundation in 2001. So back in 2001, two and three, we were doing a lot of research about what does it mean to be a community foundation and how do you grow and sustain? And even back then, so we were very, very small and we were looking at models across the nation of other community foundations who had been in existence 50, 60, 70 years, 100 years. And so we just really looked at data and we even back then started seeing emerging data about the large community foundations we're uh, working closely with and, and providing service to professional advisors, so that was a strategy. We did a lot of focus groups, and I think it was like two thousand three or four. We did focus groups with professional advisors, asking sort of what you want, kind of the, how we started out your work. So when you came and you clearly had that skill set. Um, you you know, you had that more than just a fundraising skill set, you had that, like you said, the finance sort of experience of background, a bigger picture about um, the finance, it seemed like you were a really perfect fit to take on that work. And it was an opportunity for us to um, grow our organization and to try to start doing some of that early work with professional advisors. It was just for us, we, we recognize it's like uh, the benefit is down the road right? You see the results of that significantly further down the road because most of that work is happening. Legacy giving is happening after donors pass. Although some is happening, a lot is happening while donors are alive too. And we're seeing that a lot more because families are like, you know, how much do I really need in my bucket? Like I, like I want to, I want to make impact now. So we're, we're seeing both, but when we started, it was mostly legacy
0: giving sort of future gifts. um, um when people, when donors or families pass. That you and I have had a lot of conversations and the, and you and I and the board have had a lot of conversations about why it's important to continue and to grow this outreach to professional advisors and their clients in particular um, in a really strategic way with our, our new sort of strategic planning process, really getting some momentum in terms of our outreach to professional advisors. Sure. Um'll I'll add a little and then you can add add more too. So,
1: you know we know that um, there are a lot of people, given the opportunity and who understand the context, are really interested in supporting and helping their community. And professional advisors are that place where these conversations happen. Um, and so to support professional advisors, to be like there, we we sometimes say backroom office. You get free support from us. You call us anytime. You get uh, to support professional advisors in having that, not only that conversation, but then the tools that they might use to advance that donor and that family's interests. And we just have seen over and over when given the opportunity and when asked the question, we just see families lean in. And so we want to be able to support advisors in starting that conversation. And where the advisor is comfortable, we can take over some conversations with them. We can sit down with the advisor and the family. We don't have to be involved at all. We can be completely invisible to the family and only work with the advisor, or we could work directly with the family. And it really depends on that relationship with the advisor and the family and what they most need and want. It's just really important because we do believe there is so much... Um, there are so many resources that are being held by families uh, that can be put to immediate or future use in the community that can help strengthen and grow, especially our nonprofit and, and certain parts of our public sector, who are providing so many significant and um, life changing uh, services and systems change work and who are doing significant work in equity and justice, uh, race equity and, and racial justice work and, and, and social justice work, that really this is a place where innovation and, and change in community can happen. And we know there are donors who, could, who would be interested in joining. It's literally a matter of asking and, and inviting. That's one thing that
0: I really love about our work with professional advisors is that kind of that idea of that positioning ourselves as a back office. So I I love that you pointed that out as well. Well, and I think, too, you know, when I talk to advisors, it's kind of getting over, especially new folks
1: who don't have never even heard of a community foundation. So first of all, you can still be a super smart person and not even know we exist. I always tell people that because most people don't know we exist. So it's okay, You're just finding out now. Right. So also once advisors kind of understand because they work in such a competitive environment, that there, we have zero competition with them, that we are literally a possible support system for them. So there's no uh, possibility that we would take a donor or a family away from them or their work. We are the enhancement to the service that they provide the
0: donor. Absolutely. And in some circumstances, we can actually provide them with an additional client through our independent investment manager program. Uh, right. which is, and I've talked about this a, a little bit in past podcasts, um, and I'm actually hoping to have one just focused on this program early in 2022, but our independent investment manager program is a program, a partnership that Community Foundation has with financial managers, um, you know, wealth advisors, investment managers, whereas if you, the advisor, has a client who wants to make a, create a charitable fund with the Community Foundation in Snohomish County, then you can, as the advisor in most cases, continue to manage the assets that are donated to the Community Foundation. And as an added bonus, you get a new client in the Community mm-hmm. Foundation of Snohomish County because we create an account with you that you simply then transfer the assets that your donor or that the donor uh, contributes into that account. So that will be, I will completely geek out about that specific program yeah. in a future episode. But but yeah, I mean, I think, and especially in again kind of looking back to the early days of how can we our goal has always been to how can we add value to the advisor's practice how can we how can we help you professional advisor strengthen your relationship with your client and so for investment advisors and for you know financial managers that it was a little hard the sell was a little harder when we were saying well yeah you can recommend you know creating a charitable fund with a community foundation if you take those assets that you are now managing and then encourage your donor to take them and have somebody else manage them, donate them elsewhere. So that's why we re- really created this program. Um, so so yeah, so that I think really just emphasizing like what you said, Carrie, that we're not, we're not in a place where we're we're taking clients away from anybody um, at all. So I think that's that really has been an important message for us to to really get out there. Um, so
1: yeah, and I mean, we just see over and over and over when uh, professional advisors sort of after bringing their first client to us, they just sort of it just clicks. Right. Because also, I mean, for the most part, our donors and families are not only, they're, they're a little surprised at how well serviced they are by a community foundation. Mm-hmm they had no idea that this level of expertise exists. Like, yes, we know about this, or yes, this is a knitting club, like going back to the story about knitting, that there is a group of folks who have such deep relationships and contacts in Stohomish County that we kind of know all the corners and all the pockets of where work is happening and where impact is happening. And donors just have incredibly high satisfaction with our service. And uh, because it's about them and their passions and their needs. And it's just a it's a unique it's a unique service that we can offer to families who are in this place of really talking about legacy, especially.
0: Right. You know, actually, that's a that's a great segue into my next question about areas of growth for the Community Foundation. And so talking about kind of developing or creating that trust between the community foundation and donors and between the community foundation and advisors too because as an advisor, your all you know, everything that you do in terms of your business and your relationship with clients is about trust, is about making sure that not only your clients, but your clients' family and their heirs trust you to whether it's manage their money, whether it's look after their estate and help them with their estate planning and their and, and their will, et cetera, et cetera, their tax planning. So in terms of kind of providing, growing that trust that and that that ability for advisors to and for for donors to trust us with being in the know about what's going on in the community, what is what what are really what are the community charitable needs and what are the changing needs? I think that over the past couple of years, that has really started to resonate with even more people. COVID for the COVID pandemic and the who is being affected and so many people, so many people being so affected in so many different ways in our community, and understanding which nonprofits and which charitable causes are really having impact and really helping people get through this really hard time in our country's history. And also the, the raised awareness that we have now. Thankfully, about the importance and the critical the the critical need for growing investment in racial justice and racial racial equity um, issues and racial equity you know, organizations who are advancing racial equity and racial justice. And so, being able to be on the ground so that an advisor or a donor can come to us and say, "You know what i I really understand." I mean, just to use an example of actually something that a financial advisor was saying one of his clients was talking about recently was that they want to do something charitable for a variety of reasons. Tax reasons was one of them, but also they raised awareness specifically during the pandemic about the disproportionate impact that remote learning was having on communities of color. And so specifically, so kids, low-income kids of color who did not have access to technology. So I was able to say, you know what? We actually have been looking into that as well. And here, here's an example. You know, using our the CARES grant um, funding, the grants that we provided to nonprofits specifically doing work towards racial equity and racial justice in 2020. That here, you know, here's a list. If you go on our website, here's a list of nonprofits who, you know, by no means an exhaustive list, but to a place to help you get your clients started. One of the areas over the past couple of years that we have really made a conscious priority in terms of our growing commitment to the community has been around racial justice and racial equity. So I'd love to talk with you about that, about kind of how that started and the opportunity um, that you see in that area specifically um, in our community.
1: Sure, yeah. So I would say as a community foundation, and really if if we think of our other colleagues across the region, a lot of our conversations as funders around what folks used to call diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's what a lot of funders used to say. A lot of that work ha- started happening in 2015 and 2016. A lot of, I wouldn't say the work, a lot of the conversations and funders raising their own awareness and choosing to lean into conversations about race equity and, and social justice. So. We have been a part of um, a group of funders across the region that, that was initially convened by the Gates Foundation to have conversations about the impacts of racism and other oppression and inequities in our communities. So really the question was, how do we make system societal changes if we are not addressing equity and specifically racism? And so as an organization, I would say we really leaned into what was maybe just learning and curiosity in the early years um, and just trying to educate ourselves. As a staff, we chose to just try and, and um, do a lot of pilots. Oh, hey, I noticed notice that we're not doing uh, using a real equitable practice in this area. Why don't I, as a staff member, try X, Y, Z, and let's see what happens, right? Let's see if we get better results. Let's document our learning here. So we've done uh, like just in every way we could for years, our staff has just been implementing within their own sphere of influence, uh, equity and social justice work. Last year, and and that's great. You know, that's a a fine place to start, especially we've been, um, we have been a white led uh, organization since our inception and we know we we have followed the trend across the nation that most of our funding up to 90% of all funding goes to white led white serving organizations so you know there's some data, data that you can just look at and you can measure yourself against so starting last year in in about 2020 we really started moving uh, less uh, so so where we weren't just talking sort of beyond curiosity, we started moving ourselves to accountability and action. So that really is the work that we are moving into as a whole organization is accountability and action. We have, as you said, Elena, earlier, we have a new strategic planning process uh, that we're creating with community. We have a new equity team with community on our equity team. And we have our board and our staff who are all contributing to lots of conversations about what does this New framework need to
0: look like in terms of even our organizational strategy. Thanks for elaborating on, on that piece. Because I know, you know, when I talk with advisors, when I talk with donors about our commitment to advancing racial equity and racial justice, people want to know about our community foundation's journey and the community foundation's commitment. And are we walking the walk or are we just talking the talk? Yes. Uh, I appreciate you elaborating on that. So We're just about at our time, um, but I wanted to ask a couple more questions. So, when you look at your community, at our community, and you can define community however you want, what are you most excited about? What inspires you? One of the places that we are really excited to be supporting and
1: doing work in Stromish County is uh, the Connect Casino Road work that is happening in South Everett. So, we are sort of the hidden secret backbone. Organization to Connect Casino Road. Connect Casino Road has six staff members. They are located at the Village, which is a Child Strive owned facility. And they are reinventing uh, service to community in a way that is bringing forward and engaging the voices and uh, the desires and the dreams of the neighbors in that community. And so it's really flipping the model. It is uh, moving away from uh, service providers or nonprofits saying, here's the stuff we can offer and you can come get it, to neighbors coming forward, uh, sharing what their needs and hopes and dreams are, right? Beyond their basic needs, because there's a lot of basic needs certainly happening right now around the pandemic, but also their dreams for their families and then us finding ways to connect sort of seamless collaboration and connection to be able to offer and provide a new way or a new system in the community that is focused on the neighbor so it's it's both it's it's a programmatic sort of there are program and service pieces but there is also this work around changing systems so why do we have housing insecurity in the Casino Road neighborhood? Why are there not more parks and open space? Do, what are we looking at in terms of food security, access to adult education uh, to advance a family's income and, and um, economic stability? So the systems work is really the, the, the foundation of Connect Casino Road. And I am incredibly inspired by the work that has happened there over the last five years. They're not their own 501c3 yet. That's why we are serving as a backbone organization. The people that are coming forward and that have an interest and a passion are literally just some of the most inspiring folks that I have ever worked with. And it just brings me such uh, pride and, and just hope for our future when people like folks at connect casino road are willing to step in and and actually address systems change which will change the world for not just the families that we work with today right not just the families who need support maybe for food security or need a computer for their child's school but will change for the entire neighborhood um so that's super exciting and inspiring to me
0: The more I learn about our work on Casino Road, people in the community, people with the lived experience, being the ones to make the decisions um, is really exciting. So, yeah, It, it is. And I mean, right now we're looking at, you know, the funding. I mean,
1: this is where donors and professional advisors can be hugely supportive. That neighborhood has been completely and totally underfunded since inception. Publicly, yeah. public funding has not been there. There's no public housing. Again, we look at parks, and, and that's not to disparage the city or other folks who do work in the community. It has okay. just been a pocket of underfunded neighborhoods. But one of the, the things we need to flip in terms of our work is making sure that folks who have an interest in systems change and really looking at some innovation. In terms of what they fund, making sure they have an opportunity to look at Casino Road as a charitable option. Because uh, there's a lot of generosity amongst the neighbors and in that community. We also need to have folks outside of that community generously supporting the work there.
0: So, when you are not working, what do you do for fun? Yeah, so, you know, we have kind of a wild and crazy family. I have two boys.
1: Uh, a husband and a COVID puppy, uh, who is also a boy. So I'm looking for a girl cat uh, to round out the, the genetic, the uh, gender balance in my family. Uh, you know, our family, um, we actually really, really do a lot of prioritizing family time when my husband and I are not working. So we like to hike and we kayak we're also cyclists. I personally love to read. I, um, that is like my go-to, uh, desired option when I, when I have some quiet time in a minute awesome. and we're really try to, I mean, we mostly try to do simple things and we try to do things that don't cost money. So, so we just invented no tech Tuesday in our house. Oh, nice. December um and so it's just we choose an activity or we or we might watch a movie family movie together Christmas movie and we choose an activity and everyone's phones are put away and nobody gets to do tablets or no no wild children get to play some online game that they play with their friends so
0: <laughs> oh, this has been great care sorry so one last question what are you most excited about for 2022 it can be anything yes I am really
1: excited to roll out this new strategic framework and to connect some pieces that have been disconnected in our organization. So uh, that includes an equity statement that we wrote in 2020. Um, It includes some indigenous land acknowledgement and action work that our board and staff are doing right now. And it includes more items that are sort of more demonstration of accountability toward our toward our community, for our community. I'm very excited to roll that out and to have the pieces more aligned and connected, Mm -hmm. which I think will be this beautiful symphony. And then I'm sure people are gonna say like, I don't get that. What's that mean? (laughs) So I I just, I really organizationally, we're at the place where um, this next year, I think things need to be uh, more externally demonstrated and we need to then also start measuring how we're doing, yeah. so I'm excited about that that sort of strategic work. What are you excited
0: about? I'm excited about that strategic work. I'm actually, you because of our you the conversation that you and I had. I guess it was last week about kind of thinking about priorities in, for my work in 2022. So one of the things I'm really excited about is growing the podcast, obviously, um, but also the increased work with that I see as a great potential um, to grow our independent investment manager program. Um, I'm super psyched um, about that in particular, you know, and also just I'm recently joined the National Association of Black Accountants. I'm looking forward to learning more about them. I actually had, I'm looking forward to just getting involved in more kind of industry groups too Mm -hmm. that are are local to the Puget Sound area. Um, Mm -hmm. A couple different estate planning councils um, Mm -hmm. as well that I've been looking forward to. And I think I may try a triathlon again. Oh my God. A
1: sprint or an Olympic?
0: Oh, a sprint. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, because I, I used to do them. I don't know if you remember, but like I used I to, there were like a couple yes. of years where I was all about the triathlons. Yes. And I just feel like it would be kind of fun to do. It. That's a good Before idea. Or I turn 50. That's a good, oh. I wouldn't
1: mm. like to do that. So. Yeah. It's too late for me. So I'm <laughs> just going to do it too and late. <laughs> now, since I am well into the fifties. No, I guess I
0: can't do it now. And on uh, Sunday so We could train together. Fun.
1: Elena, first, I can't swim. I mean, well, I'm not sure if you could call what I do swimming. <laughs> Secondly, you know I don't run because I'm a sprinter, so I can go 50 yards and that's it. <laughs> and I'd crush it on the bike. Well, if I could train. So I, right. I think we're starting to build a picture of where my. Okay, well,
0: we'll revisit
1: it. We'll revisit it. <laughs> we will we not.
0: Team CFSC?
1: No. Oh come on, man! I cannot. I cannot have the pressure <laughs> of training for two weeks.
0: All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're thank welcome, you. Thank you, yes. um, yes. for being part of the podcast. You're um, you're really excited for all of our work as a community foundation and yeah. our work together in um, 2022. And me too. Yeah, thank you, Elena. Okay, happy Thursday. Okay, Okay, bye. You too. Well, that's another episode of Looking Forward Giving Back. I hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast is sponsored by the Community Foundation of Sohomish County, a 501c3 registered nonprofit in the state of Washington. Check out our website at www.cf sc.org forward slash plan. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest on the podcast, let me know by emailing me at elena at cf-sc.org. Thanks to all the professional advisors out there for all you do for your clients and for our community to make it a better place right now and for generations to come. See you soon.